0: what do you think? A podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I am Jay and with me here is B. Hey hey hey. So this is a case that is very well known in Australia. I don't know how well known it is out of Australia but it's pretty bloody huge here. I have spent so much time researching this. I thought that it was just going to be a very basic did he or didn't he situation but on falling completely down multiple rabbit holes, this is going to be a big one. And this story is absolutely mental. Uh, and it is the story of the disappearance of Peter Falconio. So, what do you know about this one?
1: So, Peter Falconio was backpacking with his girlfriend. They're from England and they were driving in the desert across Australia somewhere and were on the side of the road. I can't remember, did they pull over to help someone? And then, oh, gosh. So I know it. I know it. But Mm -hmm. And I followed it very closely and I've read stuff, like enough stuff about it. It's just been so long. I mean, I can't even remember what it was. But, yeah, I remember this. I mean, because, like, we've got moody characters that are based on yep. this
0: movie wolf creek is based on this as well as yeah. the ivan Malat backpacker yes well. and
1: ivan Malat yes 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 yes
0: um so yeah i know that they've pulled over
1: they've either pulled over to help someone or they pulled over and someone's stopped to help them and then he has been attacked and the girlfriend runs off he's hiding Um, in the bushes and he comes looking for her whoever it is that got him I think he had been shot and like yeah I think end up ends up in his car and I can't remember if the body the body was never found I think or the body was found no body was never found
0: Mm -mm. yeah 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 very rusty so yeah okay so what you've just described I think is probably what most people know about this case and then recently somebody was charged and found guilty of killing him as well so I think for a lot of people this this case is like put to bed now and they're like okay well the guy got caught and that's the end of the story sort of thing Mm. but there was always been a question mark over whether or not he really was the guy Uh, and there's been some information come out in recent years that makes that question mark really really big uh, so, yeah, so let's get into it and have a look and let's just jump down the rabbit hole with me. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> yep, that's it. Here we go. Get your okay. ready. 29 year old Peter Falconio and his girlfriend, 28 year old Joanne Lees, had decided to take the trip of a lifetime together. Over seven months, they had traveled all throughout Southeast Asia. So, they'd been to Nepal, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia. And now they were finishing up in australia so they had intended to work in australia for a bit and then start to travel around before they went home so from january to june 2001 they'd been living in sydney while working and after this they had set off to see the rest of the country they bought a orange vw combi van classic classic traveling i remember i remember the van yeah that's it And they planned to drive to Canberra, Melbourne, Adelaide, Darwin and Brisbane. So they were going to sort of do a little bit of a loop going around that way. At the time of Peter's disappearance on July 14, 2001, the two were travelling up the Stuart Highway in the Northern Territory towards the Devil's Marbles area. Now, the alarm was raised when a truckie was driving down the highway near Barrow Creek about 280 kilometres north of Alice Springs. Joanne jumped out in front of him in the middle of the night. She said she'd been hiding in the bushes for around five hours and this is the account of the truckie. So his name was Vince Miller and he also had a co-driver with him but the co-driver, I believe, was asleep at the time. So with these long-haul truckies, they have a, a, a bed in the truck and they sort of take it in turns and sleeping and driving. So Vince was the one driving that night and he said it was a really, really dark night. And I can imagine out there, like it would have just been, it's flat as there's no lights at all. It would would be be dark. It would be so dark. When she jumped out, he sort of thought she might've been a kangaroo or something at first and he didn't see her. She kind of jumped out last minute. He thought that he'd hit her because obviously trucks that huge can't pull up really quickly. Yeah. So she jumped out in front of him. He's put on the brakes he stopped. She's disappeared. He's thought, oh, my gosh, I've run over something. Didn't realise it was a person at first. So he jumps out, had a look around the truck and then sees her underneath the truck on the other side. And he's like, oh, my God, this is a woman. So he's like, hello, are you okay? And she just comes underneath the truck and launches herself at him, hugs him, is crying, is screaming, is hysterical. He notices yep. that she's got tape around her hair and around her neck. And she's got zip ties around her wrist. Her arms are in front of her. And the zip ties, if you have a look at a picture, I'll see if I can put a picture on Facebook. They are kind of, it's not just a zip tie. There's quite a few zip ties and they're kind of linked together to make almost like handcuffs. So her hands weren't completely together. They were, yeah, like looked like she had handcuffs on. She was genuinely scared. And he said this, she was just screaming the entire time saying, we've got to find Pete, we've got to find Pete. Um, so he gets the wire cutters out, he cuts the tape, he cuts the tyres, starts to try and calm her down. Now she mentioned that she'd been out there with her boyfriend Peter and he had been shot and this this actually really scared the truckies. They're like, okay, someone's been shot. Maybe the person's still out here. Let's get the hell out of here. So yeah. they threw her in the car or in the truck and took off to Barrow Creek, which is not far from where they were. So once they get to Barrow Creek, it's the early hours of the morning and They raised the alarm. They called the police straight away. Yeah. The police came. They searched the area. They went back to where it all happened. They found where she was talking about because there was, unfortunately, a large pool of blood on the side of the road where they're assuming that was where Peter got shot. They found the combi hidden about 80 metres away inside the scrub like someone had been parking it off the road. So they then tried to work out what had happened. They did a reenactment with her and you can actually get footage of this on YouTube um, of her. Yeah,
1: I do remember seeing that as well.
0: Yeah, they kind of took her back there and they were like, all right, show us what happened. And they were trying to get her to remember more because for someone who had been through something quite traumatic, she had quite a patchy memory about it, which some people say is due to the trauma. We can't really make assumptions there. Um, She may have just blocked out a lot of stuff, but she really needed help to sort of prompt her on a lot of things when she was doing it. I
1: couldn't imagine having to you would give everything you can but then having to go back and reenact it like I I feel that I would get flustered I would feel overwhelmed yeah like I've told you everything I know and now you're trying to make me act it out and you're treating me as if I'm not telling the whole story and then you actually would start to doubt yourself
0: yep that's it
1: like did that happen I remember Hmm. I I mean even I had an incident recently and I had to try and play back what happened and then I actually saw footage of what happened and it is not what I remembered happening oh really like not by a um yeah like it was fairly different to what what actually happened in my mind and what I recall happening
0: yeah yeah and I can't even imagine like if that really is what she went through the poor girl I'm surprised Mm. that she was even willing to go back there, you know, like, but I I guess, you know, she wanted to find Peter. She wanted to, you know, find out what happened to him. She did give an identikit of the man involved uh, and he, I'll put a photo up. He kind of had, I remember it. Yeah. Longish hair, handlebar mustache wearing a cap with a logo on it. Anyway. So this is her official version that she gave at the time because it's changed a little bit over time. So this was Mm -hmm. the original one. So she said they'd been driving Uh, going north from Alice Springs Pete had been driving Joanne was the passenger and at some stage they became aware of a man in a ute who was following behind them and they said that he had actually been behind them since Barrow Creek so they were aware of him and I guess out there when there's hardly any cars you'd be like yep okay that guy's been behind us for a while (laughs) yeah eventually the car pulls alongside them and gestures to them to pull over so it starts to sort of apparently he turned on the interior light of his car so they could see him and he was like pull over pull over there's something wrong with your car so they stop and peter gets out and the man approaches him and says that he could see sparks coming from his exhaust pipe now they weren't surprised by this because the the combi had been giving them a little bit of grief um, and they'd had some repairs and stuff done so it was like oh okay Peter tells Joanne to jump into the driver's seat and rev the engine so he can see what's going on. He goes towards the back of the combi. She jumps into the driver's seat, started to rev the engine, and she hears a bang. She assumes that it's the car backfiring, but then afterwards she's like, actually, that was a gunshot. Yeah. Then this man appears next to the car door holding a gun. Oh,
1: my gosh. I know. Yeah.
0: Horrible. Yeah. Uh, he gets her out of the car. He cable ties her hands behind her back with the weird handcuffy job. Uh, He tapes her mouth and then he drags her to the back of the tray of his car. Now, there is talk later of her having a hood placed over her head as well, but it's not clear when that was put on, when it was taken off. It just sort of disappears in her story along the way. So that's just a side point. He drags her to his car and he puts her into the front seat with his dog she noticed that he's got a dog there so clearly the hood is off at this point if she knows that there's a dog there she gets a good look at this dog dog is fine doesn't do anything to her but she's sitting in the front of the car he then goes to I guess deal with Peter at that stage she says that she can go from where she's sitting in the front of the car to the back of the tray of the ute. So she kind of wriggles her way through. There's an area where he sort of sleeps before between the tray of the ute and the front seats. But apparently it's open. There's like a window or something there. And she can get from the inside cab of the car to the ute. I think that's really important because I don't know whether I know of any cars that do that, but she reckons that that, that was what the job was. She finds herself in the back of the ute. She realised to herself, like, I'm going to get raped and killed here, clearly. You know, there's no good reason for him wanting to do this. So she eventually gets out of the ute somehow. She manages to climb out with her hands behind her back. Her feet weren't tied, interestingly enough. Like So he she reckons that he tried, but she kicked too much or something. But, I mean, he got her hands behind her back, but obviously the feet didn't work. So her feet are not tied up so she can jump out. She takes off into the bush on the side of the road. And while he's otherwise occupied with Peter, she manages to go and hide from him. So she hides in the scrub for what she said was hours. She said she'd been out there for five hours in the end. And she reckons that he's looking for her this entire time. Yeah. She stays hidden. She manages to get her hands from behind her back to the front. And some people sort of question this, like there's no way that she'd be able to get her hands from her back to her front. But you know what? I don't see that as being impossible. I think when you're, when you're a bit flexible and especially if you see these handcuff cable tie things, they do yeah. actually leave a bit of a gap between her hands. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I do not have a question about that. I think that it would have yeah. been plausible. And she gets her hands to the front of her. She stays hidden um, and he's looking for her this entire time and he's looking with a torch and he's got his dog and yeah. somehow they don't find her. Yeah. So that's first question mark. I don't know whether that's plausible. I've looked at video footage and you know, by the way, her, the end of her story is that he gives up eventually and he just yeah. takes off and she's left out there in the bush until Vince comes along. But yeah, yeah I looked at video footage of her during the recreation because I wanted, the first thing that came up in my mind was what does the bush look like? Yeah, Is it dense enough that she could have hidden successfully, but it's really quite scrubby. It's, yeah, it's not dense bush. It's scrubby yeah. bush. And I think that time of year as well, like a lot of the leaves have fallen off. So In daylight, there's no way that she would have been hidden in any way, shape or form. But it was the middle of the night. It was pitch dark. dark, But she actually wasn't that far from the road either. I don't know. I have a big question mark there over whether or not she actually would have been able to be hidden that entire time. That's her story. She is questioned by the police. She can't really give too many details when they're doing it so you can actually look up her um i don't want to say interrogations because they were they were just sort of interview sessions with her yeah but there does come a point where she realizes that they are questioning what she's saying because a lot of her interview is just oh, i don't know i can't remember oh i'm not sure and she just seems yeah. really like her demeanor is very like i just want this to be over with i don't want to help do this and to me if that was my partner out there i would be giving every bit of information that I possibly could and helping in any way that I could but it's like she just doesn't want to help she just doesn't want to be there at all so that's the first sort of red flag I think that comes up from the police and they they actually push her on it they're like okay well why can't you tell us that like surely you know whatever the investigation so we end up we have CCTV footage from a roadhouse in Alice Springs the night of the attack and they show a man that matches the identikit he's got um, the Mustache, she's got the hat with the logo on it. He's quite a big guy, like she said this guy was, and he has a Ute, which matches the description that she said. So they think, okay, here's our guy. But they, of course, the CCTV footage is not great, as it usually isn't, and they cannot get like a number plate or anything. Especially like that. out
1: in like a crappy
0: yeah roadhouse.
1: Yeah, You'd exactly. Just, yeah, yeah. You'd just be like, oh, it would be so basic.
0: Yeah. So nothing happened for a while. Um, There was quite a a couple of years, I think, that that was the end of the story. And it just really became a question of whether or not she was telling the truth. And I think a lot of people jumped to the whole she's killed him. She's disposed of his body and she's made all this up to make herself look innocent and all of that sort of thing. And she ended up, you know, going through the same thing that Lindy Chamberlain did with, you know, the dingo and that, you know, her Her demeanour, she's not grieving enough. She doesn't want to give enough info. I love this <sighs> this idea that you must
1: act in a certain way. Yes,
0: exactly. Think about
1: all of the crimes where people have acted in that certain way. They've gone on the news, please come home. Exactly. Or my child is missing. And then you find out that they were acting their fucking asses yes. off and people bloody believed it. But yes. then when they are, like, literally playing the I don't know, it's like oh, well, obviously they did it. Yeah, exactly. Like, so you can't she went win.
0: through an awful, awful trauma. Exactly. Yeah. So that you know that was all that really happened for a couple of years. We had this CCTV. We had the identikit, but that's all we had to go on. There was really nothing. And I mean, yeah, his ute could have been one of thousands out there. <laughs> it's kind of like the yeah. standard middle-aged white guy who lives in the outback ute. You with know, with a dog. With a let dog. Let me guess. <laughs> some sort of healer, had <laughs> yeah. She did. She said that it looked like a, a blue heel, like a know yeah. a red healer, like a brown Red heel.
1: yeah. Red healer.
0: yeah. Oh. <clears> exactly. <throat> yeah, I don't know. It was all very stock standard and generic and hard to pin down. So then nothing happens for a couple of years. Then we have Bradley Mur- Murdoch coming on the radar. So he is the man that would eventually go on to be convicted of this murder. So how did he come on the scenes? When she was discovered by Vince and taken to Barrow Creek and the police came, they did notice that she had one tiny little speck of blood on the back of her t-shirt and they were able to get a DNA profile from it of a man. However, unless you've got somebody to match it to, a DNA profile is pretty useless. They they knew that they had somebody's DNA, you know, assuming the killer's DNA. As far as how he came on the onto the radar, we first need to look at a person called James Heppy. So James Heppy was a drug trafficker and he was the one who first flagged Murdoch as a suspect. So Heppy and Murdoch were accomplices, I guess you would, you know, work colleagues in the drug trafficking trade. And he ended up getting arrested for the attempted rape of a child and holding hostage her mother as well at the same time. So quite a serious um, accusation was made against him. And I'm pretty sure that Heppy had something to do with that. In the end, it was Heppy that brought Bradley Murdoch to the attention of the police. He said that Murdoch had once said to him that it would be quite easy to dispose of a body out there. And the way he would do it would be in something called a spoon drain on the side of the road, which is like a big mud sludgy pit. Uh, he said he'd also seen Murdoch using cable ties before. Oh my gosh! You know, unlike every other person in the world, because he used cable ties, uh, he used so they cable were his two,
1: ties all the
0: time. I know those were his two bits of information. Um, that Murdoch had once said he knew how to dispose of a body in a in a sludge drain, spoon drain, and he used cable ties before. That was enough to make the police go, "Oh, okay, let's look closer at this guy."
1: Really strange. <laughs> this is just on a side note. Yeah. So
0: I have actually,
1: I feel like. I have had conversations throughout my lifetime with multiple people, drunken conversations around, you know, around that classic white table with the plastic chairs, you know, those yep. ones. Yep. Yeah. Drunken conversations into the early hours of the morning that kind of went something like, now, if you were ever going to kill someone, yeah. how would you dispose of the body? Yeah. So, yeah. If that is, The information. I know quite a few people that have said how they would dispose of a body and use
0: cable ties. So, (laughs) exactly, exactly. Yeah, be
1: careful.
0: (laughs) Also, very important to note that the reason why Hippie was giving this information to the police was because he had his own drug charges. He'd been caught. And he he wanted immunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, He was trying to deflect, he was trying to cover his own bum. So, how can
0: I get less time for? Yes. And amazingly, he was not sent to jail over his own charges after giving this information.
1: Oh, don't go there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So then we had this case of the raping of the daughter and the holding the mother hostage and all this sort of stuff that, you know, he wasn't essentially found guilty of in the end. I think that they ended up just throwing that case out. So there was a lot of question about was this charge trumped up so that they could get his DNA? Because they needed yeah. to get his DNA at some point now that he yeah. had put him, you know, thrown him under the bus. So, yeah, you know, question mark, did the police sort of trump up those charges just so they could get it? Don't know. But this is how murder was flagged as a suspect. And they looked at his, you know, pictures of him and said that he looked a little bit like the identikit picture. He did yeah. have the stock standard middle-aged white man car. And he yeah. had a dog as well. Yeah. So you know, we've got all of these things lining up. They've decided, okay, we're gonna look a little bit closer at this guy. yeah yeah. So about Murdoch, he was a drug runner between Darwin and Adelaide and okay. he used the Stuart Highway and I believe he also used to use the Tanami Road, which is a um, not a highway. it's like a it's not a dirt track, but it's like not not like a normal road. It's kind of the back street that you go. like an unsealed road where it's yeah, I'm not sure whether it's sealed. I've not been down it myself, but yeah. I know that it's it's not like the highway anyway. You'd go down yeah. it if you want to just sort of take a back road, put it that yeah. way. Yeah. He about once a month used to run um, hydroponic marijuana up and down between Darwin and Adelaide. And so he, you know, was doing dodgy shit, but yeah. apparently, you know, had never been convicted of being a murderer or anything like that yeah he was tried they ended up comparing his DNA and it did match the blood spot on the back of her shirt it also didn't 100% match but it was like you know how with DNA they give you like this is a one in two 20,000 yeah 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 yeah. this could be this person so it it was yeah it was
1: it was close enough for them to be like yeah
0: yeah on the shirt blood it was but on the handcuffs the gear stick of the combi and i believe the steering wheel there was partial dna so it's like it's either him or you know 600 other people in this area so like not not totally him but could be him let's put it that way <laughs> yeah okay you know, very scientific explanations i've yeah. given him yeah not hey, we, are,
1: we are professional <laughs> yeah, that's it
0: <laughs> still no body though which is really really hard to prosecute a murder case with no body but he was found guilty of the murder in 2005 and he was sentenced to life without parole. So lock him away, throw away the key, key which actually isn't really throwing away the key because in Australia, life doesn't usually mean life. Um, no, I, I believe you. he got 28 years minimal. So, yeah, he would probably yeah. be out. In like 10 years or something like that. Anyway, uh, there was no no nobody, no apparent motive. They couldn't tie them together or anything like that. And there'd been no gunshot residue found on the back of the combi to prove that he'd actually been shot in the first place. There had been that blood on the road, but there wasn't actually a lot. Uh, and a blood evidence expert said that there actually wasn't enough blood for the scenario posed. So remember, we're saying that he was shot in the head. Now I don't know how she knows that. Because she doesn't say that she saw him get shot. She just says that she hears him get shot.
1: Yeah, so maybe it actually, the sound was the car though. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Maybe he didn't get shot. We've had this this conversation before in our very first podcast where we talked Mm -hmm. about gunshots and how I was adamant that I heard a gunshot and then my partner went, no, it's just a car backfiring." I'm like, no, 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 that was a gunshot. (laughs) We need to be careful around here. Yeah. Like, no, exactly. that was a car backfiring.
0: So yeah, it, it
1: most definitely could have been the car backfiring and he's just hit him or something.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the fact, the fact is that, like, she's possibly put two and two together because he's come up to her with a gun after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, um, yeah, the blood expert said that there just wasn't enough blood for that scenario that she had posed. After he got sent away, people started to actually question things a little bit more. And I don't know why they did, but yeah. all of a sudden there were questions like, for yeah. example, the ute was apparently key evidence, but really, is it? <laughs> you know, like how many of those utes do you see out in the outback? So many of them mm-hmm. Uh not really, I don't think. And also on the cctv footage apparently the public uh, like when they posted that on 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 the news and everything so many people came forward like yes i know who it is that's joe from down the road you know he looked like so many different people and they actually found 36 people that it could have been that were in the area looked exactly like that could have been so That wasn't exactly a slam dunk either. So all these things that have sort of built the case are very circumstantial and people are just sort of going, hang on a second, maybe we just need to look at this a little bit closer. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at theories. So the first theory we have to look at is the one that all the conspiracy theorists like to talk about. And that is that Joanne did it. Like I was saying, she refused to speak to the press at all. So she literally was like, sitting there and she had someone speaking for her but she would not say a word to the press she wouldn't help the police she wouldn't contribute anything really to the to the investigation
2: yeah.
0: um, and like we were saying the old she never cried she never showed emotion I just oh, look I'm sick of hearing about that from people people grieve in different ways people process yeah. information in different ways so
2: yeah uh, it
0: did lead to people asking whether or not she was hiding something she just didn't want to seem to help find the killer it was almost like okay it's happened I'm moving on now that's a normal trauma response as well yeah it can be absolutely and but she kind of did weird things too like apparently in one of the press conferences where she again didn't talk but she appeared she was wearing a shirt that was bright pink and said cheeky monkey on it and apparently someone had said to her do you think that's appropriate to wear for this and she's like I'm not changing it so you know just little things like that people started to latch onto and say Why the hell is she doing that, you know? Yeah, Yeah, setting aside all of the whole telling people how they need to act in these sorts of situations, I want to go forward in time to when the case was reviewed by Murdoch's lawyers. So he obviously does have the ability to um, appeal his sentence, which he has done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's got these lawyers, this team of lawyers that have come together and they have gone through everything with a fine-tooth comb, okay? They want to look for something that's been missed, obviously. And apparently in doing that, they came across quite a few new details that weren't mentioned in the original trial. It was last year. It was a Sunday night program on Channel 7 about this. Did you ever see it? No. I think that, yeah, I definitely watched it. And at the time I thought, okay, this isn't what I thought it was. I thought that we knew who did this and that was the end of the story. And this is when I first started to question what had happened. Okay. So they were in this program and they sort of went through what they'd found when they went through the case. Um, So a few things stood out. Now, as far as Joanne's story goes, she escaped out of the ute into the bush and she was hiding in the bush, right? And he was looking for her with his dog and his torch. However, when they looked in the area, only her footprints were found. They never found his footprints and they never found footprints of a dog. So that to me is a huge red flag. They should have yep. been footprints 100%. Yep. yep. Now, you could understand if Peter's footprints were there, but they weren't there either. It was only Joanne's footprints that were found. So that was something definitely to think about. And another person that actually jumped on the whole this isn't correct, this finding bandwagon was an author called Robin Bowles, who actually wrote a book about this. Mm. Um, she wrote the book was called Dead Centre, and in, yeah. doing, in doing so, she actually ended up going to visit Murdoch quite a bit and formed, like, not a, not a relationship as in romantic, but, like, she became friendly with him and yeah. Yeah. many, many hours talking to him to research yeah. the um, And she feels that Joanne definitely knows more than she says she did and that the scenario she's posed isn't correct. She actually went out to the area herself and tried to recreate what Joanne had said happened. Yeah. Uh, and she also spoke to the locals that, that were in Barrow Creek when she was rescued. So the things that she noticed she, when she did the recreation, she said that the bush just was not adequate to conceal her. So she went out at night time, same time of year, same, same everything. Um, she handcuffed herself behind her back. She did everything that Joanne did. She even, yeah. like, got, got a car that looked the same and all of that. And yeah, she, nah. no. <laughs> <laughs> she said it was really, really traumatic. But
1: <laughs> no from me exactly for trouble
0: so she did the whole thing jumped out of the although they couldn't find a car that had the open between the tray and the cab because I don't think that that exists and actually as a side point when Joanne was pushed on that her story changed and she said oh no he didn't put me in the front of the car he put me in the back in the tray he actually put me in there so her story changed as well Robin went out there and she just did that. She jumped in the back of the ute. She tried to escape, la, la, la. She went off into the bush and she just found, yeah, it was not adequate to conceal her at all. She was found immediately by the guy pretending to be Murdoch. She also said that 30 metres from the road, there was actually a fence and there's no way she could have gone through that fence with her hands tied Um, and there were like cows and stuff in the paddock anyway. Um, So she couldn't go any further. So she was actually trapped in quite a small area. So it wasn't even like she could disappear off into the nethers and he not find her. She was actually in a much smaller area than anyone had thought that she had been. So after she did the recreation, she also found that she was completely covered in dirt, red dirt, cuts from the spin effects. Because, I mean, have you ever encountered spin effects? I encountered it once when I was up north. It is sharp. If yeah. you even brush past it, it will cut you. It's yeah. full on. So yeah, she was covered in cuts from the spin effects. She had spider webs all over her. She looked an absolute mess. Joanne yeah. did not have any, like I've seen a photo of her when she was first found at Barrow Creek. And yeah. she didn't, she was not dirty. She was not covered in red dirt. And that shit gets into your paws, let alone your clothes. Yeah. And you know, she she had a couple of scratches on her elbows and her knees, but she didn't have any spin scratches or anything like that. Um, yeah. And she just did not look like she'd spent five hours in the scrub hiding from someone. Yeah. So that was something that Robin noticed. She also s- said that she looked into whether or not Joanne had any dog hair on her because given that she was in the car with this dog and, you know, red heelers, they molt. Yeah, um, red heelers and blue heelers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They will molt um, This dog's been sleeping in the car, you know, like it would have been so much hair in there. She didn't have a single dog hair on her.
1: Yeah, so that was questionable as well. 100%.
0: Yeah. Your average,
1: your gen, a dog in general will lose fur and it will get on everything. A blue healer or red healer Mm -hmm. will lose a lot lot more fur. Exactly. And I'm thinking that this
0: dog is probably a pretty country dog as well. So. Well, this is it. And the other thing too was Bradley Murdoch's dog was not a red healer. It was a Dalmatian. So there's a difference (laughs) between those. Uh, Yeah.
1: So she got the dog wrong. Can't mix those two
0: up. But a Dalmatian will shed also. Those like short-haired dogs, man. Oh, my gosh, yes. Their hair
1: is so annoying and it's short and spiky and it gets into everything.
0: Exactly. So she had no dog hair on her. She also questioned putting aside the whole did I go through the car or did I get put in the back of the ute, putting all that aside, she wanted to know whether or not she could successfully get out of the back of the ute with her hands tied behind her back. And she noted that the car that they were talking about had a really large industrial tow ball at the back of it, which meant that getting out of it would have been really really difficult for someone who didn't have their for someone who didn't have their hands tied behind their back let alone someone who was tied up so there was that too there's another couple of things that have sort of led to this whole did joanne do it thing you know obviously we're going down the track of her making up the entire account if we're going to go by what robin had said but multiple witnesses have come forward also and said that they actually witnessed joanne and peter having a huge fight in Alice Springs right before the disappearance. So that day, basically, when they left Alice Springs. And apparently yeah. she was actually getting really, really physical with him, hitting him. And she just denies that that happened. She she's no, that never happened. So, But there are multiple witnesses that actually saw that happen. Yeah, You know, this all leads down the whole, did something happen? Did she get mad at him and knock him off or something like that? Also going against Joanne, when they did her original interviews, they produced something called a scan report. So this is a report that's conducted by body language experts, and they basically go through every single second of her interview and her body language. And they said that they showed that there was definitely missing information and missing time in her statements, and that she definitely showed deception. However, I want to note that since then other ex- experts have come out more recently as the technology has evolved and said that there's a possibility that there wasn't deception there so we can't rely on that as evidence yeah. so yeah. clear as mud really. Still it's a consensus that Joanne was holding back something like I don't know what it was and I don't know how pertinent it is to the case but the police even said she wasn't telling us everything that she could have told us. Yeah Another thing in her statement was the account that she gave of the gun so yeah. I remember, this guy appeared by the side of um, the car, and he was pointing a gun in her face. Yeah, and she gives incredible detail as far as the gun goes. And i yeah. i mean, I'm just assuming that if someone's pointing a gun in your face, you're just seeing the nozzle of it. Yeah, I don't know how you can actually see the side of the gun. I don't yeah. know. And then, is there a bag over her head, or isn't that you know it's question mark question mark Yeah. So she gives this detail about this gun, and I'll put a photo of it up because it's kind of. It's almost funny because it's, like, very old school, something that you'd see, like, in a Spaghetti Western. It's like a a pistol with, like, detailing and scrolling on the side of it, something that you'd get, like, from a movie prop or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Now, the police searched records of all firearms held um, in in those states and nobody had anything like it. So, yes, it could have been an unlicensed firearm, but... There wasn't anything ever registered that looked anything like it. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, in her first interview, she said that the dog was the healer, like we said, and then we found out that he had a Dalmatian. Um, and there was the questions, like we said, about why she had no injuries on her. That that's really weird as well. You would have thought that she would have been cut to shreds and covered in red dirt. Yeah. And he says that he, she says that he hit her in the face, like punched her in the face and dragged her onto the road. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of this guy. He would be like, as they say, six foot five and built like a brick shit house. Like, he, yeah, he's a, a solid bloke. guy. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And if he had a punched her in the face, he probably would have broken her face, you yeah. know, um, but she didn't even have a bruise on her face. So that was a question mark as well. Her statement changed so much. So as well as, you know, the whole getting into the back of the ute, how that happened, there was the fact that they actually couldn't find any types of ute that did anything like the whole pushing her into the car. Yeah. By the trial, the story had changed. And as I said, she just said that she'd been placed in the back of the ute like he just sort of picked her up and threw her in there, I guess. But not only were there a lot of these inconsistencies in her story, she was so cagey. Um, and the fact that she gets really angry when the police try and push her on the inconsistency. So if you watch the videos, it's like, no, you've told us this. You haven't told us this though. What do you, what is the truth? She just yeah. like, shuts down and she will not answer questions. Maybe she's just frustrated. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. just who she is. But when I know what I notice when watching the interviews is that she seems to get genuinely upset when talking about Peter, not so much when talking about her own abduction though. And So this shows that she's accessing her emotions while she's in the interview because she's, you know, sad about what's happened to Peter. But she's disconnecting from the whole abduction thing. So that either means a trauma response or B, it didn't happen. So she doesn't have that emotional connection to it, you know. Yeah. Some more information comes out during the trial. It is exposed that Joanne had cheated on Peter with a man called Nick uh, when they were working in Sydney. Uh, she said she said that it only lasted a month and then it was over however Mm -hmm. in the initial days after this it all happened and she was like in i guess like a safe house um, for a short period of time they put her under police guard who you know their main the main idea of them was to watch her and make sure she was safe but also to keep an eye on her because she'd been being shady so um you know they were watching what she was doing so she had access to a computer and they found that she had been emailing somebody called Steph. What they discovered afterwards is that Steph was actually Nick. Yeah. So she'd been trying to arrange meeting up in Berlin shortly, like soon. So she was yeah. basically saying to him, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to catch up in Berlin, blah, blah, blah. like, what the hell? Your boyfriend just maybe got murdered and everything. And you're trying yeah. to this other guy, you know, um, and they asked her about it. And she just basically said, It's none of your business. She does deny it at first, but then she eventually goes, yes, I had an affair, it it was over, and now, you know, hey, it's none of your business. They looked at her phone records as well, and it showed that between leaving Sydney and the time of the event, um, she'd been calling Nick quite regularly. So they had been still in contact. And one day she actually called him 28 times. This was definitely an ongoing thing, (laughs) you know.
1: 28 times. In one day.
0: Yeah. I mean, wouldn't Peter have known? Yeah. Like, how often was she ducking off to the loo and, you know, going yeah. for some I don't know, going for a smoke or something? I have no idea.
1: And obviously, he was reciprocating because, I mean, let's be real here. I mean, I've been accused of being the crazy girl, and I won't deny that I have. Yeah, I was going to say, been... and that was accurate. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to deny it. Um, I am who I am. Well, I was who I was. Those days are gone now. Um, but generally, if a female were to ring a male 28 times in one day, he'd be like, yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, nice. So he was obviously okay
0: with this yeah that's it so it was obviously something that was reciprocated let's say yeah yeah reciprocated and ongoing <laughs> there's just a lot about her account that just doesn't sit right to me you know and the other thing is that she supposedly never saw peter's body this really bothers me because let's just let's just paint a picture of what she says happened we've got the combi in the front we've got the u in the back we've got her getting dragged out of the combi and thrown into either the front or the back of the U, she would have had to have gone past Peter's dead body, just about yeah. stepped over it to get to where she was going. Now, okay, maybe she had a hood on her head. She didn't have it on when she got in the car because she saw the dog. But maybe she had it going, you know what I mean? Like at some stage, you think she would have seen Peter's body. Like, because if she was in the car with the dog, saw the dog, she then doesn't have a hood on and she's in the front of the car, she can see in front of the car. Can she see what he's doing? Okay, he's throwing her in the car. Now what's he doing in the front? You know what I mean? Like there's so many things that don't make sense about what she said. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know whether I buy that. And also let's go further with it. So let's say that she has gotten out of the car, she's run out to, you know, try and hide in the bushes and he's searched for her for five hours. Does that make sense? Like let's just say you're the, you're, the guy that's done the shooting and you've chucked the girl in the back, not really secured her very well because she's managed to get out and run away. Um, you know, are you going to spend five hours looking for her or are you going to be attending to the dead body that is laying in the road? You know, because yeah. I know that it's a remote place, but truckers come past there all the time. Yeah. You know? So you're running a big risk in that five hours that someone's not going to come yeah. past. And look, I know, haven't been, I
1: haven't driven through that part in particular, but I drove across the Nullarbor. Uh, as a young kid and, like, when I was, like, 11. So I can remember enough of it. And there are stretches where you don't pass people for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, There are times where it feels like you've been driving for hours and you haven't seen anyone else. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there are truck drivers, there are travellers, there Mm -hmm. are still locals. And you would would not be risking... Because the thing is, it's not like you're going to, again, and you go back to the fact that, like you said earlier, hey, this car's been following us since then. Yeah, you do notice it because you probably haven't passed another another car in a while. Mm. But if you pass a car or two cars on the side of the road, Mm. you're probably going to be going, oh, what's going on there? I haven't seen a car for a while. What's going on? Oh, there's two. Oh, something's going on. You would definitely be like
0: you'd stop, you stop. i have been. Yeah. you know if you
1: were a, definitely if you were a local as well you'd be like oh that's bloody joe smith's car yeah <laughs>
0: you know yeah that's I'll it keep and, you know like, i you know i've done a lot of like traveling around remote western australia and camping and stuff and the thing that i notice is that You don't want to pull over on the side of the road out in the middle of nowhere because within five minutes you'll have 10 people have stopped to see whether you're okay, which is lovely and it's great and it gives me confidence that if something does happen, we'll be okay. But it's annoying at the same time because you've got to keep saying to people, we're okay, keep driving, it's okay. So whether or not it happened and whether or not anyone drove past that night, the fact that there was potentially a dead body on the side of the road and he was out looking for her just doesn't add up to me. It's very dangerous, very risky and Peter was not a small guy either. So it's not like you've no, thrown him no. over the shoulder and chucked him no, in he the back was a small guy. Yeah. So I don't know whether that really checks out to me the whole, oh, I was out there for five hours sort of thing.
1: Yeah, um, out there for five hours trying to hide the body.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I just don't, I just think that's really, really risky if that was the scenario. Yeah. Um, also going against Joanne is the testimony of somebody called Jeffrey Atkins who is a local of the area who said that Bradley Murdoch told him that Joanne Lees had offered him $2,600 to kill Peter. He reckons that Joanne had offered Murdoch money to kill Peter and told this this man, Jeffrey about it. So that just throws like a whole nother level of what the hell into the mix and I don't know how to take that really and whether or not it's credible. So, yeah, let's just process that for a second. Was it a Joanne and Murdoch combo situation? Yeah. You know, another story came from a man called Greg Dick who claims that he saw Joanne and Peter the day that they went missing at a place called Aileron Roadhouse in the Northern Territory. Now, he owns the roadhouse and he said that they were sitting there having something to eat, reading maps, all of that sort of thing, and then he saw their combi parked outside. So, you know, there's that because their combi was quite distinctive. It was bright. Oh, course, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. he's he seen the, seen them. He says, yep, that was definitely the couple. And I saw the car and everything at the Aileron State a Roadhouse. But now Joanne denies that they ever went there. She's like, no, nope, we never went there. We never stopped there. Why? Uh, and then also Greg says that while they were there, there was another guy with them. He came in and he brought a pie for his dog and he mentioned that he was going to live out in the bush for a few months. And when he said that he left the roadhouse, Joanne ran up after him and started having a conversation with him like they knew each other. He said that it was quite clear that they had that they knew who each other was and they chatted for a little while. Um, and he said that he fitted the description of the identikit and I guess of Bradley Murdoch, but he was not as tall as Murdoch. And obviously Murdoch's quite a very distinctively tall guy, yeah. but he says, no, nah, he looked like him, but he wasn't him. He was yeah. not tall enough. Yeah. So why didn't she want people to know that she'd stopped at this roadhouse and who was the guy that they were talking to? Yeah, That's a question. I mean, this guy's got no, no fight in the ring, you know, like he's yeah. got a reason to make stuff up. So yeah. what? why was she being so evasive about that? She didn't go there because she didn't want to be traced back to talking to this guy. Exactly. So yeah, that is the case against Joanne. There's a lot of question marks there. I'm not ready to say 100% I think she did it, but I think that there's been quite a few questions raised there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next theory is that somebody else did it. So in the Channel 7 Sunday night show that I was talking about, um, yeah. when the truckie, Vince Miller, was finally able to give his public statement, yeah. uh, his story completely contradicts Joanne's version of events. He said, you know, the story that we talked about, about her jumping out in front of the car and then he stopped and all of that sort of stuff. But he said that as he approached the site, so this is before all of that, he saw headlights in the distance. So they looked like they were sort of driving around in circles, almost like someone was doing a three-point turn-off in the distance. So obviously it's pitch black, so you're going to see headlights. Yeah. So, you know, he said, oh, yeah, it looked like they were doing a Yui or something, trying to turn around. So And as he approached, he saw that it was actually a small red car on the side of the road. So he slowed down because he thought, oh, maybe they need help. As we were saying, you know, he said, there's people out here, they're doing weird shit. Why are you here? Do you need help? And he saw a couple of guys walking alongside of the car now in between these two guys was what he claims to be a jelly man so it was a guy who looked like he was unconscious and they were carrying him now he said when he saw this he was like are you guys all right sort of thing what's going on and they quickly they didn't say anything back to him they stuffed the guy in the back of the red car and they just tore off he got the distinct impression that they didn't want him to see whatever he saw on that night Who is Jelly Man? what's that about where did the red car come from where's and joanne
1: those two guys
0: yeah exactly was that peter in between them we don't know it'd be pretty coincidental if there were two weird scenarios going at the same time you know in the same place another weird thing happened about this so he gave that statement to the police straight away he was like well you should have seen what i saw you know before yeah. i this girl who jumped out not long yeah. after. And he wrote down his statement straight away uh, Mm -hmm. and then didn't hear anything about it until the court date. So the next time he saw his statement was when it was presented to him two weeks before the court hearing. And the detective said conveniently that the first two pages of his statement had been lost and they had taken it upon themselves to rewrite it for him. And could he please sign it, by the way, to say that it was his words? So he read it and he noticed that there was nothing about the red car in there they'd completely taken out the bit about the red car and the jelly man
1: yeah so this is classic this is we've yeah. had this discussion before
0: yeah they
1: they've decided they've yeah, decided they've who decided. it is yep that's it but let's
0: disregard all other evidence that's actually true potentially mm-hmm. and oh i know frustrating frustrating well he said i'm not signing it and they said If they didn't, if he didn't sign it, that would just open a huge can of worms that they didn't want to open. Okay. Let's just note that this is Vince's account and his version of things. So, you know, everyone has the potential to be lying, but he's pretty clear about what he said and what happened. Yeah. Who was in the red car? Who was the jelly man? Was it Peter? How far before seeing Joanne did he see this? That was not really made clear. It was just, he said, as I was approaching where I saw Joanne. Yeah, lots of questions raised there by old Vincey boy. Now, there was another witness called Phil Cook, um, who was also a truckie at Barrow Creek the next day. So as soon as all this happened, um, and I think it was about seven o'clock in the morning by the time the police got there and you know started talking to Joanne, they put roadblocks in place straight away so that you know they could contain the area. And this guy, Phil, said that because there were roadblocks, he thought, oh, well, I'll go to the pub. He sat at the bar and he struck up a conversation with a man who matched exactly the description given by Joanne, even down to what he was wearing was exactly the same. Now, he spoke to this guy and he said that he was camped close to where it had happened. He was actually only like a few, like maybe like 40 metres away from where the shooting apparently happened. And he said that he'd been camping out there and where he was camping, he'd buried a pound of marijuana. Uh, when Phil jokingly said he'd better hope that he didn't have a dog because, you know, he looked like the guy and, you know, he's going to draw attention to himself. He said, well, that's easy. I'd just shoot the dog and get another one. He had the same car as well. So he had the U with the canvas back and the police. So they questioned him. So obviously he was stuck in the roadblocks as well. The police questioned him. And also, oh, my God, this weird thing happened where... At the time, because they saw him, they had Joanne there and they wanted, they wanted her to see whether it was him or not. And at that stage she was claiming that she never saw his face because she had the bag over her head, which, first of all, makes no sense because that just rules out the whole he stuck a gun in my face and was standing right in front of me thing. Um, but the yeah. way that they wanted her to identify him was that she shut her eyes and ran her fingers through his hair to see whether or not the hair felt like the hair that she felt because apparently she felt his hair at some stage during the attack. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I just come over here. Sorry, sir. Sorry. Um, could you just come over
1: here? Now, I just want this lady. I know it's a weird request, right? I just want this lady to just to close her eyes. Yeah, just ju- yeah, humor me. Just gonna close, her. she's gonna close her eyes. She's gonna run her fingers through your hair.
0: Okay? Yes. you yes. all right with
1: this? Good. Okay, all right, go.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, oh I don't know. It's I told you this case is batshit, man. <laughs> I like
1: this before. I know. Just I
0: know. Run your fingers through his hair. I know. Yeah. So she goes, nah it's not the same hair, and that's in and, and also he. Did it so not. she
1: actually ran her fingers through his hair. Yeah,
0: she did it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I thought they just
1: suggested it. I didn't realize they actually did it.
0: No, they did it. Wow. And she goes, "Does he have a dog?" And they're like, "No, he doesn't have a dog." Well, it's not him then. So that was it. That was the end of it. However, he had shaved his mustache that night before, uh, and also he had. uh, No, sorry, it's not known whether or not he had a dog prior to that. But a brown cattle dog was found dead from a gunshot wound right in that area around the same time. After all of this. That person of interest went completely off the grid for years, and investigators were not able to find ev- any evidence of him whatsoever. So, who was this man? We have some suspicions. So, well, further... maybe
1: if we can track him down, we'll get Joanne right, and we'll just start feeling people's hair.
0: Yeah, that's it. That, that'll be how we solve the case. Absolutely. I'm crying. I'm crying. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So, more recently, some more info on who this guy is has come to light. Now his name is Chris Maloof, and although they're they are pretty sure that that's just one of his aliases. real yeah. so name? Yeah. um, he'd been this guy in the area living off the grid, He had the similar car, he had a large mustache until he shaved it. He wore the baseball cap like the one described by Joanne and seen in the CCTV footage. And yeah, he when they questioned him on that first day, he said, no, I never saw them. But he said, oh, I actually did see them when they were leaving Alice Springs because I was leaving Alice Springs at the same time. So I know who you're talking about, but I never saw them the night that they disappeared. This (laughs) this is like something that was discovered later. But I think by the time that it was discovered, they already had Bradley Murdoch in their sights. So, yeah. not really a whole lot was done with it and it just kind of ends up being a big big question mark. So, next theory, that Peter faked his own death. He just, wanted
1: to start a new life. Yeah, he wanted
0: to start a new life. It's that old oh, I story. I know. Wow. I feel like we can't have a case that doesn't involve that. Um <laughs> Again, people, the reason we need to know
1: what is the going rate to start your life over again? Absolutely. We passport, well, no. birth certificate, Yeah. How much? Tell us.
0: Exactly. But I tell you what, don't laugh because there's some points in this theory that actually give me pause. So it started out when a friend of Peter's came out and said that he believed that Peter was capable of leaving his own life. He said that he worked with Peter back in England for two years and Peter was well known to his group as Dodgy Pete because he was always scamming people. This guy works for an insurance agency and he looked at he looked after like life insurance fraud. And when yeah. he talked to Peter about it, he, he said that Peter was quite interested in this sort of fraud and had spoken about going to another country and claiming death to get the insurance. To me, though, this means that he would have had to have got other people involved because you don't get to be the beneficiary of your own life insurance, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> There's got to be an accomplice along the line somewhere. who's going to take the money for you. Hi, please explain. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just feel like the police, if they looked into this, they would quite easily see whether, you know, who, who was his beneficiary and that would have been the end of that. So really I think that's silly, the whole insurance flawed thing. Um, and also, you know, what would that have done to his family? I, he seemed to be quite close to his family. Um, However, There is an account that if it's to be believed and there's no reason why I shouldn't believe it is very, very strange. There's a place called Burke that's out in this area and there was a shop there, the local general store, and it was owned by a gentleman and his wife. And he said that a few days after all of this happened, he served Peter Falconio in his general store. Now, of course, everyone's like, yeah, right, Right righto. But he goes, no, I was out the back and I was reading the newspaper. And, of course, you know, the story all over the newspaper. Yeah. So he had a photo of him in front of him. Yeah. And his wife comes out and is, like, like, gestures to him, like, to go out the front. And he's like, no, what do you want? He's like, she's like, no, no, get out the front and have a look right now. He goes out there. He goes, dead set, 100% Peter Falconio was buying a Mars bar and a can of Coke at my shop on that day. So he's like, right, okay, I'm going to look into this. He goes outside to where the fuel pumps are, and he has a look at the car that he's come out of, and it's it a no, it's a Ute, exactly the same as the one that is suggested, down to specifics of that specific Ute that was talked about, right? And he reckons that it wasn't parked at the Bowser; it was kind of parked around the corner behind a fence, so that the the hose had to like stretch to get to it, like he was trying to hide the car. What the actual <laughs> you know, and the shop well, distinct looking guy, he's very distinct. And he had the accent like, as well. I think more yeah, like like than if... England, sort of that Geordie accent. And he goes, yeah, he was a Pommy guy. He looked like the guy in the photo in front of me. He had the car of the guy that was supposed to have killed him, you know, look alike. I don't know. Uh, very, very strange. What are the odds? Exactly, um, and also he testified to this he like swore an affidavit david and yeah. testified to this so this
1: is the thing what have these people that are coming forward okay yeah you know what there's some dodgy ones that have come forward to get their own immunity exactly yeah, all right but what's joe blow down at the bloody local roadhouse got to prove what's his point what's he gaining from saying peter falconio came in and bought a mild bar at can of coke yeah exactly. what's he getting for that
0: i Nothing. know Yeah, so uh, attention-seeking, that can be really the only thing it could be if it's not true. Yeah, I don't know. I really, you know, you've got to put a pin in that. That's pretty big news as far as this case goes, if it's true. So, yeah, um, the whole fake own death thing, I don't think that we can completely throw out just based on this. Next theory. Obviously, Bradley Murdoch did it. Okay, this is the clear he was convicted for. He is in jail as we speak for it. So let's have a look at what the evidence against him was. So we've got the DNA on his shirt, that tiny little blood speck. We've got the question mark DNA on cable tie cuffs and the gear stick of the combi. And, you know, there there was actually someone tried to make a theory about how that blood could have got on her shirt without him having attacked her. He did have some cuts on his hand. Apparently he was like a bush mechanic. And he had been at Red Rooster in Alice Springs around the same time as Peter and Joanne had been. He said that he'd bought chicken nuggets for his dog and, you know, someone said that maybe he touched the back of a chair and she leaned up against it or something like that. It just seems very far-fetched, you know, to me, that a lot of stars have to align for that to have happened. Not 100% couldn't have happened. But But, again,
1: it wasn't his DNA. It just matched On
0: the shirt it was. The shirt DNA was definitely his DNA. Okay. Yeah. So there is a question. How did his blood get on her shirt? That is absolutely a question that we have here. Someone came out afterwards. So he said he went to a Red Rooster. He only ever said he got chicken nuggets for his dog. When he went to jail, it was said that he signed a form saying that he did not want chicken for his jail diet because he's allergic to it. So some people have said, well, what was he doing in Red Rooster then? But to me, that's not really anything. Yeah, he got nuggets for his dog and he could have just like got chips or something for himself, maybe. I don't, you know, I, that's not that's not hard, fast evidence as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah, aside from this, I don't know whether I buy the whole accidental transfer thing at Red Rooster. It's a bit of a big stretch. The thing about the whole blood DNA on her shirt to me is that there wasn't any more of it. So in her event, he's beat her. He has like, she has put up a fight with him. She's, at some stage, she reckons with her hands tied behind the back, she, like, grabbed his balls in her hand and squeezed his crotch. You know, like, there is there is a lot of altercation going on here.
1: Yeah.
0: I would think she'd have more of his DNA on her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. To me, it's not really about the blood speck on the back of the shirt. It's about where's the rest yeah. of it. Like,
1: yeah, hair, if you had a beard, hair, hair from the head, arm hair, chest hair. Honestly, I'm always like, oi, how did your hair get on me? Yeah. Oh, wait, that's one of your chest hairs. Thanks. Like always got the other half popping up on me. Honestly. (laughs) The man sheds, all right. Yeah, he does. He's like (laughs) a healer. He's like a (laughs) blue
0: healer. (laughs) Um, yeah, so. Yeah, so there's that. It was just a question mark to me. However, if the DNA is his on the cable ties and the gear stick, that does suggest he was there that night. A matter of in what capacity, to me. Uh, And when she picked him up out of a photo lineup, she they actually got her to do that after his picture had already been in the news, in the media, and everything. So that was kind of yeah. We also need to have a look at how Murdoch was come had come into the police's frame of view. And that was with the whole heppy wanting to get off his drug, drug trafficking card. Um, So there's that. More Uh, credible sources
1: that have come forward with evidence than a drug dealer who's accused rape.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that rape case in Adelaide, uh, he was very quickly found not guilty. Like, the, the jury basically just went, what the hell is this, and threw it out. So it does seem like it was a bit of a trumped-up charge, like, like people have said, just to get his DNA on file. Yeah. So when he, when he is captured for Peter murder, murder, it is when he is at court for this rape charge. So he goes in, they say to him, not guilty, you're acquitted of the charges. Everyone looks at him and he's like, oh, I'm free to go. He takes off, and you've probably seen this in the news, there's like footage of him running out of the courthouse. And as soon as he leaves the courthouse, the police just grab him and chuck him in the back of a car, and that's him being charged for Falconio. So it was all very, very dramatic when it happened, and quite clearly the police police had him where they knew he was (laughs) so that they could charge him. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, it's alleged by the defence team that the rape case was fabricated just to get his DNA. Um, and that's never been confirmed either way. So about the DNA areas, the steering wheel was not conclusively found to be his but couldn't be excluded. The DNA from the cable ties was likely his, though, um, as was the blood spot on the shirt. Now, all DNA were extracted using low-copy DNA techniques. So have you heard about this, low-copy DNA? No. No. So what happens is when you don't get a full profile, you've only got like a partial profile, they've devised this technology that basically looks at what it does have and replicates it to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And I think that this was the sort of technology that was used in the Claremont serial case with um, the DNA found under Kira Glennon's nails. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a fairly newish sort of technology. So, but it's also a questionable technology in the scientific fields and some places just refuse to use it anymore because they think it's unreliable so take from that what you will yeah yeah now it was also uncovered that a policewoman took the cable tie handcuffs into an interrogation with murdoch so questions of contamination there i think she was trying to be like see these did you make the i don't know i don't know what she was thinking yeah 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 yeah, (laughs) that's stupid to me looking at Murdoch himself and his actions we know that he was a drug runner he was running pot and he would travel travel between South Australia and Northern Territory with a really large load of hydroponic marijuana now this also gives me pause this fact because if you were running a huge amount of hydroponic marijuana would you risk just stopping people and murdering them on the side of the road and then standing around with that stuff in the back of your car and a dead body while you look for a, you know, like it just yeah. doesn't make sense to me at all, would bring a lot of attention to the area and probably himself as well, because let's face it, the cops probably knew about him. Yeah. Now, there was another thing that the police attempted to make evidence that was and that was a hair tie that was found amongst his things. They found yes. this one. Like, black standard mary jane hair tie around his gun holster now they straight up jumped on that and went it's a a what do they call it it's a it's a souvenir he's taken a souvenir you know this is his thing that he took from the crime but i've left so many of those everywhere it was probably mine yeah i i feel like they go in my house they end up with wherever the other pair of sock goes you know, like into the abyss, and along with Tupperware lids as well. You yeah, know, like they yeah. just finished. Her, her DNA was never found on it, yeah. so it where wasn't. You know,
1: On that okay. <laughs> note, there's an unsolved crime. Where did the un, Where did the other sock, the bobby pins, and the hair like go?
0: Yeah, and the Tupperware lids. And the Tupperware lids. They're all having a party in an alternate universe. It's so yeah,
1: Conio's murder. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So,
0: yeah, it was a stock standard hair tie and he reckons he just bought it to keep his stuff together so it didn't rattle around in the car. So I'm pretty happy to put that aside. It was never entered into evidence either. So I really don't even consider that. In April 2017, an anonymous note was received by a man called Matt Williams, uh, the editor of the Northern Territory News. Now, the author stated that he was asked by Murdoch to fly to Darwin from Perth and meet him in the outback. And he did this, right? So he goes up, Murdoch's told him to come to Darwin, he goes to Darwin. When he gets there, Murdoch says to him, I've killed a guy. It was in self defense, but I ended up killing him. I dismembered his body. I placed the body parts in plastic bags and I need you to help me dispose of the bodies. Now they're in the outback in the middle of nowhere. You think that would involve finding a mine shaft, burying him in yeah. pretty much anywhere. You know, you yeah. could go 50 metres off any road and bury someone and nobody ever find it. Um, yeah. But, no, no, his plan was he wanted this guy to take the body parts in, in the car, drive them to Adelaide, then fly with them in the plane to Perth and dispose of them around Perth somewhere.
1: I, I, I don't even know what to do with that information.
0: <laughs> I no. I mean, come on. Really? Yeah. Really? No. no. Yeah, he reckons that he did it, though. He ended up driving to Adelaide with these body parts, but instead of taking the plane, he took the train because he thought that would be less obvious, and he ended up burying the body somewhere around Geraldton. Now, let's just set aside the fact that this, I mean, driving from Darwin to Adelaide and then catching a train, you're looking at, what, three or four days. Shit's going to start getting smelly. Yeah. Someone on the train is going to notice what you're yeah.
2: doing?
0: I just don't see anyone doing this. Like, what the actual? Yeah, it sounds no. great. Yeah, I think we can just say that this guy was on some sort of mad trip about it. So yeah,
1: yeah. No, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. That one's I'd off. To you. no know from me. I mean, come on. If he, if he did have bags of body parts, like you're in the outback, just bury them in the outback. Don't drag yeah. a whole other person into it. You know? Yeah. And make such a risky. Yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, we're just saying no. If you commit a crime, don't get more and people, more people involved. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, there was also another witness, so a stack deck surfaced by a man who said that he was traveling the same route as Joanne and Peter. Um, and and I know what this is like when you're sort of traveling long distances and you kind of have these like travelling buddies that you don't really talk to, but you see them at the petrol stations and then sometimes they overtake you and then you overtake them and you kind of, you know, they're the people. Um, You know, that happens all the time. So they were their travelling buddies. Um, And he reckons that uh, he he said that on the day that Peter disappeared, he stopped at the Barrow Creek Roadhouse at the same time as Joanna's and Peter, and they noticed them talking to a man. And he then after they had left and the guy was still there, he went up and just started chatting to this guy. You know what, you know, old guys are like, they like to talk to people. Um, He introduced himself. Uh, The guy said that his name was Murdoch. And they discussed their common background. They'd both been in prison. They'd both done time for drugs (laughs) and stuff like that. You know, just finding things in common.
1: Oh, yeah. So, how's it going? How are you traveling? Yeah. How's the road? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Anyway. So, a little bit about me. being <laughs> in jail for drugs. How about you? Oh, you too. Bloody <laughs> oath, mate. Bloody oath. <laughs> Do
0: you know what? I can actually hear this happening though. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's quite literally probably how it went down. <laughs> oh anyway i've
1: met these people i've met i know i know i've met these old fellas that like yep. you meet them and within five minutes you know their life story call you love and darling sweetheart yeah. oh yeah 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 oh i've lived a tough life oh bloody boy yeah. i went down <laughs> the wrong wrong track and uh, got myself involved in a bit of silly business did some time in jail you know yep, yeah yep. Yeah. So, yeah anyway i've, I've met been. him we've all met him
0: yeah, exactly. So, yeah, once they've sort of caught up on their uh, common histories, he uh, Murdoch said that he was waiting for a van to arrive with some ecstasy pills. And then later he saw Joanne... Do you that, want to come party with me later? Oh, yeah, I can
1: totally see these
0: old words. <laughs> oh, this story just keeps
1: getting... <laughs> I know. I
0: told you. I told you. I fell yeah. down some rabbit holes, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, uh, after they've had this chat, He saw Murdoch talking to Joanne later and Joanne was getting really upset with him about something. And then another man came in and said the van is here and both of them went outside together. So had they actually met Murdoch before? Had they had this interaction with him before? Yeah. And did it have something to do with the drugs? Yeah, she just wanted to get on the pills, mate. Yeah, exactly. Well, apparently they had been smoking quite a lot of pot on this trip. Some people have suggested it was like a drug-fueled, trip of the outback of Australia um so yeah so that's sort of the case for Bradley Murdoch's actual involvement I don't know whether it's yeah. the same maybe, involvement.
1: That's, maybe that's how they knew him because they yeah. brought into him in town and sort of had that conversation like we just said you know mm-hmm. it's a bit mm-hmm. different out there everyone just is a yeah a little bit you want yep. some pot? I sell pot. Do you want some?
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess like, how else are you going to sell it? Like, you've got to yeah, go approach people. Yeah. You guys yeah. look like you... Party? Like pot. Do you want some? <laughs> you, you look like stoners. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah the, that is the possible theory. So, what do you think after that absolute mental batshit dive down rabbit holes? What do you think?
1: I feel tired and I want to go to bed. <laughs> I yeah. feel like um, I've listened to, like, sort of some sort of, like, silly um, mockumentary, like, yeah. that this isn't even actually real, that this yeah. is just all made believe. But oh, wait, there's it. more. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I was always on Joanne's side, but I don't know if I am now. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not as clean cut <sighs> as you think it's going to be. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin and I don't I even know. know what I think anymore. It's crazy but I don't, so much. I don't, I don't think it was murder. <clears throat> mm. um, I'm not saying he wasn't involved somehow. I'm not even, I, I can't even say whether or not I, I think he's dead or alive. I don't actually know what to believe now. But there's some big question marks. This whole thing is just one giant question mark. But there are some big question marks next to all of them. <laughs> um. I think one of the biggest question marks is the fact that Joanne cheated on him and she was still talking to this guy mm-hmm. um, 28 times in a day, like not just a little bit, like a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, and this, I don't know, maybe I'm getting into the the mental, the psych, you know, psychological side of it all now, like this disregard to authority, um, like why are you wearing this? Pink shirt, that's Mm. not appropriate. Don't tell me what to wear. You know, why are you doing this? You know, why aren't you helping us? That sort of stuff. Like maybe, maybe their relationship was bad. Maybe Peter Falconio, you know, was controlling and as devastated, you know, if he did go missing, if he did get murdered or whatever, like she was devastated. But at the same time, she was like, yeah, no one's going to tell me what to do anymore.
0: Like, maybe
1: that's what the rebelling, I guess, if you want to put it that way, was about. I don't know. That's just one thought I sort of had through all of that. I do think that, yes, some of her actions are very much trauma based. Like, if this is what actually happened mm. um, and she can't remember everything clearly, yep, trauma. Um, the initial denial of um, putting her guard up and not wanting to help, I, I can appreciate and understand. But at some point, you've kind of got to go, okay, well, I need help. And (laughs) even with the emotions running and all of that sort of stuff, um, there would be part of you, I would imagine, that would eventually be like, okay, this doesn't look good on my part. I just need to be honest and give them what I can, not deny and put my guard up because I'm going to become a suspect. Yeah, I'm very big question mark next to her now. Mm-hmm. um question mark next to murder question mark. like did he actually disappear did he mm-hmm. buy the last bar in the um the coke can yeah yeah there's a lot of other players in this there's a lot of other people that have come forward and i think that there is definitely this aspect which we've discussed before where the police the detectives get their blinders they get their they've got their horse blinders on and they're, they're yeah. focused they've got their tunnel vision because they found their suspect, and they're gonna get him no matter how they do it. Meanwhile, they're like turning away other evidence. They're turning away other because they want to solve it. It's this mentality: we want to solve it, we want this to be done, we want this to be over, we want to close this case. Whereas, mm. if they start taking on all these other stories, as kooky as some of them may be, it becomes a bit more of like another piece of the puzzle, which creates more confusion. And they don't want that. They want it solved and closed. Yeah.
0: And do you know what, like I remember at the time, and it was a couple of years before he was found and, and convicted and everything, and I remember for those couple of years after it all happened, there was this big sort of feeling of is there some sort of crazy psycho killer out there? Well, we'd lived, we'd yeah. lived through him a lot. Exactly. And then also we've got like Wolf Creek was made, uh, you know. Don't so- talk about
1: it. Don't talk about I've seen... Probably all of 10 to 15 minutes of that movie.
0: Yeah, it's awful. Different
1: scenes. And I just went, no. Also, I... childhood ruined because he was on high school. Oh
0: so, no, I think that's what made it so scary. It was yeah.
1: like, also my stepdad
0: guy. could do the laugh spot on. Oh god. And it was
1: creepy as hell.
0: Yeah. Look, so. I think it was it was an amazing movie. Second one was absolute rubbish, but the first one was so terrifying. But you know, all that it was happened close to home. It was yeah. so close to home that's it and you know we had this real life murder mystery of a, of a backpacker plus then you know fueling it was the whole movie and there was this real air of is it safe to go to Australia and I think that there was a lot of pressure on the police to solve this so that they could have that person that they could go it's okay we got him he's off the streets now you're safe to come back here again
1: It basically became and I remember this and I remember reading articles I was massively into crime. That's pitter-padded out, but I was, you know, I'm getting back into it, but I was massively into crime. Like, I had every book. I read every book. I watched everything I could find. I remember being on holiday in Tasmania and I spent basically two weeks just reading crime book after crime book after crime book because I was staying with extended family and both of them were detectives. So they had every crime book. Yeah. And I, I read the Ababa Lat one. I read one about Martin Bryan. I... Ed, Edgar Allan Cook, like I was just going through them all. And I remember reading about the, the Malat one, and then that sort of led me on to the Peter Falconio one. And then I remember Wolf Creek coming out, and it really created this fear. And like there was literally people were scared, like they were talking about how it's not safe to come backpacking, it's not safe to be in Australia. It was like, first we had like don't go to australia because basically every animal will kill you um yeah then it became like you know you've got to be careful you can't go swimming in australia the great whites will get you it was it was almost like we had this great white on land (laughs) but no one knew who or where this great white was exactly and when he was going to strike again and it created this there was this Fear and this feeling in the air and I remember being like I would love to travel and backpack and even I remember being like
0: bloody scary though yeah do I there do it there's also, do I? There was also do the I, do Hay, Hayley Dodd thing as well like that happened before all of this and yeah you know like yeah I just think that the police were under a lot of pressure to find someone to pin yeah. this on no
1: I definitely and that's what I mean like oh. they had they had a mission their mission and I think that's police in general which is one of their faults, is that they, that's their job. They have to solve the crime. Mm. And when they can't solve it, they've failed. Yeah, I know. Like, so their mission is find the killer. Yeah, exactly.
0: At any cost.
1: Yeah, so hmm. what What I think, okay. What do you think? I don't know what I think.
0: Yeah, I know. I, yeah, it's, I'm the same. Look, it's a tough one and I'm not really. I thought this one was done and dusted. And I know. open up a whole point... can of worms. Yeah, when I told you I was doing this one, I'm like, mate, it is not as clean cut as you think it is so much. I should
1: (laughs) have had a gym.
0: Yeah, I I know. And it's very much more alcohol for this. Um, Every time I thought that I had done it all, like another witness account would come up and say something completely bonkers. So, so yeah, I'm not really 100% sure of anything here. Um, except for the fact that Joanne's story is not totally accurate. I think there's definitely something that she's leaving out here for whatever reason. Um, Look, she's hiding something. I don't think that she has anything to do with like, I don't think she killed him or arranged his death or anything like that, but yeah and, and you know I'm just not buying the whole claims of paying someone first of all that's really risky and and would, would you really go up to a random stranger and just be like hey mate if I give you some money can you kill my boyfriend yeah I just that just is that is true that is true <laughs> um also it's very extreme why didn't, why wouldn't you just break up I mean come on um and also if I was going to kill my boyfriend i wouldn't do it on the side of the road like that like so we many... are,
1: we're having this conversation i told you earlier. i know i, know, I this know conversation
0: if i was to <laughs> exactly you wouldn't do it in somewhere so obvious there's so much out back there like you know just go find yes. a mine shaft for god's sakes um <laughs> <laughs> so um i think something was going on as far as dodginess uh in their world i mean questions Who was the guy she was speaking to at the roadhouse and why did she refuse to acknowledge that they were ever there? That's weird. Yep. And you know what? I think the key to this case lays there, lays at that roadhouse, lays in why she was there and why she refuses to admit she was there and who she was speaking to. I think everything sort of revolves around that. And if you can find all of that out, you might find out what happened in this case. Was it, Nick? oh god god i hadn't oh, even gone yeah, down just another, door door. Up
1: another door
0: stop stop already oh my god Maybe
1: that's why she was calling him 28 times in a day because
0: oh my god okay i can't i can't actually okay i'm putting a pin in that that's just mental okay what does he look like does he look like no don't don't go there. okay If we go off the evidence, uh, the story of a man and a dog looking for her in the bush just does not check out to me. There's no footprints. It's virtually impossible to not find her. She had no dirt or scratches. Um, I just don't buy it. I do not think she was hiding in that bush for five hours, getting looked for by that guy. Um, The DNA gets me, though. That's really my, my only pinch point, and I can't think of a reason why Murdoch's blood would have been on her shirt. Um, I don't buy the red rooster theory. There's just too many planets need to align for that to happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And I'm not saying he wasn't involved at all. Uh, You know, there is evidence. Like, has
1: he been at one of the roadhouses? yeah maybe. have they been there have they talked yeah there was that talk of that one guy but he was definitely not as tall as him but maybe it yeah a lot you know, of these things i have, don't know it's one of the height is one of those things where people gauge that differently was he tall yeah. was he very tall exactly what i think is tall and what you think is tall can be two completely different things
0: yeah exactly um
1: you know it, the way we see people the way we describe people they can be very different for every person yep. Maybe he was there. Maybe they did buy a pot off him. Maybe he put his hand on her back and, you know. Yeah, exactly. They, like, you know, oh, safe travels, enjoy the yeah. pot, gave her a pat on the back, had a <clears throat> on his hand. Like,
0: and that's the other thing too. Like if he was involved somehow, I mean, by all accounts, he had close to a quarter of a million dollars in his ute worth of hydroponic marijuana. Would yeah. he really risk just killing some rando on the side of the road? I just don't buy that. I do not buy wow. that. At all. And so, I feel
1: like if he was this person that did that sort of stuff,
0: there'd be more against him. I feel like there would have been more. At least more DNA on her. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Look, one possibility I think is that I think they could have bought drugs off him. Uh, she said uh, they said that they had smoked a joint right before setting off that night. So she actually said to the police, yeah, we'd, we'd sat down and smoked a joint and then we headed off, you know, for the night. Yeah. So maybe she bought that from him and maybe that's how that was enough of an interaction to get that tiny bit of DNA on her. Maybe I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. That's it.
1: That's very plausible.
0: Yeah. But then, you know, if we do believe that that DNA evidence on the car and the cable ties is real, then what's the link there? I don't know, you know, what the link is there if that's correct. So look, I think that, there is a possibility of something that we haven't discussed. And that is the fact that I feel as though maybe they were running drugs for him and tried to shaft him. We know that Peter was known as dodgy Pete. Uh, Maybe they took off with his product and he tracked them down. So, you know, there's always that possibility as well. There have been reports and these are unconfirmed. They're just what people have said online that when they got that combi, they made it so that the doors had panels so that things could be stashed in there. And when the police looked at the combi, they found some ecstasy pills in the side doors. So did they actually set out on this trip from Sydney with a different supplier to do a drug run, make some money before they head home and gone into Murdoch's territory and something's gone on there? This has been like a territory war or something like that. And that's why they were fighting. You know what I mean? Like, and when they that,
1: like, talking to all these different people at different truck mm-hmm. stops, I've lost track of yeah. how many truck stops and how many people were yes. spoken to and who was who. Um, but it sounds like a few different people have seen them with people matching description of Murdoch and then people mm-hmm. not matching description of Murdoch. So, they seem quite comfortable from the account, you know, by all accounts, they seem as if they're quite comfortable talking to random people yeah. that actually are not random.
0: Yeah. To them. If, if we look at this account of um, Joanne and Murdoch, and we know that this one definitely was Murdoch because he introduced himself to this bloke as Murdoch. Yeah. They were talking to each other and having a fight, and they were waiting for a van to come with pills. Yeah. So maybe they just happened to be at the drop point together both realized that they were there for the same reason he's gone what are you doing why are you getting pills where are you headed no no that's my territory and they've had a fight about it yeah this happened right before the incident so maybe he's followed them maybe he's gone no bitch you're not going to steal my territory yeah I'm going to go make sure, you know, so there's always that possibility as well that he actually was involved. But do you know what the thing I can't get past is? The red car and the jelly man. Red car and jelly man. Yeah, that's it. I mean, were these accomplices to Murdoch? We, you know, we don't know whether or not he had other yeah. guys that he was working with. Maybe he got pissed off and told these guys, look, there's this couple, this pommy yeah. couple, who are getting in on our territory. They're selling ecstasy, yeah. um, you know, they're, we need to go sort them out and so they've it wasn't just the ute that pulled them over that night maybe it was the red car as well and peter didn't get shot he just got knocked out and taken to that car and taken away yeah you know i feel like a picture is being painted potentially with that information about the red car again if murdoch shot him he wouldn't leave his body on the side of the road and go look for her so where was his body And she would have seen it when she went to his car and was sitting in his car. Where was it? Had it been taken by the red car people already? You know? But Mm -hmm. also this all happened, the red car guy, happened right before Vince found Joanne. Yeah. Which means that it happened straight away and she wasn't out there in the bush for five hours, which leads into the evidence of her not looking like she'd been in the bush for five hours. Yeah. So maybe they were caught up with these drug guys. They decided to, you know, go after them because, you know, we know Dodgy Pete, maybe he was pulling a shifty, maybe he was yeah. entering some Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And the two people in the red car are his helper dudes, yep. apprentices, yep. so to speak. Um, yep. And so, you know, they're involved, so they're not going to kiss and tell. And then yep. because she's literally like, well, shit, he just, killed Peter, I better keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And then that explains her not wanting to say anything and just pretty much shutting down and being like, nope, not saying.
0: Anything. Yeah, that's it. No,
1: nope, not going to separate. Because to, she's got to cover her ass so she doesn't get in trouble. But then also obviously she's fearful for her life.
0: Yes. That's it. And I sort of had this this image in my mind of we know the combi was parked just off the road. Yeah. In the same sort of manner that you would do if you were sleeping for the night. I mean, it was seven, eight o'clock at night. So, you know, maybe they were pulling over to sleep. Maybe these guys have found them and they have come up and they've said, right, you guys, someone has to pay for this. They've taken Pete. She's gone, oh my God, am I going to be next? And they've said, don't worry, we'll put these handcuffs on you and the tape on you. You just make it sound like you've been kidnapped or whatever and then because she's not going to want to come out and say uh guys these guys that think yeah. that we're stealing their drug territory you know she's not going to yeah. incriminate herself that yeah, way exactly. so she needs she needs a, a reason why it, it all happens so yeah. maybe they did put the cable ties on her maybe that's why his dna is on there maybe yeah. he's gonna look i'll let you go but you need to make it look like Keep he your kidnapped. mouth shut yeah that's it yeah so i think we just solved it yeah maybe maybe so yeah so I feel like that is a distinct possibility but then then we have to go to Burke and the shop owner and the mouse bar and the can of coke like maybe they didn't kill him maybe they just took him away and he convinced them to let him go and said look let me go I'll work for you I yeah. people think I'm dead she's gonna say that I've been killed people think I'm dead I'm anonymous now let me work for you that's why he was with Murdoch's truck as well because he was working yeah. alongside him you know yeah. what does it mean that he was seen days after he was supposedly dead or maybe he's been killed since then I don't know but you know if you start to sort of it's like a huge puzzle and you kind of as you talk your way through it it starts to come together a little bit but there's always that one little piece that you just can't find it yeah that's it so I spent so long trying to make it fit um, over the last few days researching it and the more I got into it the crazier the scenarios in my head yeah you know got but yeah I really do think that we need to entertain the possibility that Joanne and Peter were running drugs with Murdoch and his associates or they were in, 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 encroaching on their territory mm-hmm. um, we've got multiple sightings of the couple with other people mm-hmm. we've got this we also had a huge an account of this huge fight in Alice Springs where mm-hmm. you know Joanne and Peter were fighting. Maybe. Dodgy Pete wanted to get more involved. He wanted to shaft these guys. And she's gone, no, you cannot do that. You're going to put us in danger. You know, maybe that's what they were fighting about. You know, I couldn't, I didn't go into details about this. It's kind of new information because I couldn't find anything confirming it. But multiple people online mentioned that Peter was involved in some sort of drug sting in Alice Springs. I don't have really information. any information about it, only that like some undercover people were involved. Maybe, you know... The whole drug thing is a factor. I feel. Yeah. I, it, I think that it's come up enough times that we can't ignore it. You know, and this whole idea that maybe they took Peter away and told her just fake your abduction, not not realizing that she was going to like point the finger at someone. Uh, she seemed genuinely scared when she's picked up by Vince. She seems like, oh my god, some shit has gone down tonight that I wasn't expecting, and it's terrified me. And I'm actually really worried about Peter. So yeah. you know, something happened. Yeah. We just don't know what it is. And I don't think it's what she said it was. So that yeah. fits to me. If they've gone, right, you guys are busted. We're going to let you go. We're going to take your boyfriend away. We'll help you fake shit. But sorry, you guys have done your dash sort of thing. That would be quite scary for her. You know, I think the fact that she has this distinct unwillingness to cooperate with the police afterwards. Maybe oh, so. I got to stop. Yeah. Say something else.
1: What? Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Okay. The two people with the jelly man. Jelly man is Peter Falconio. Yeah. The two people are undercover. Oh, God. Okay, they're going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. They've taken him and they're like, because he's actually, they have together come into some heavy drug shit. The police are using Peter Falconio to um help them but she's too much of a liability so she's been like yeah Pete's gone you keep your mouth shut and she actually thinks he's gone and then the police because they can let you start a new life have okay. let him start a new life
0: yeah I don't know why he'd be jelly man though it sounds as though he was unconscious I don't know whether they need to make him unconscious for that maybe they did need
1: to because they had to try make Joanne believe that yeah okay they were actually bad guys yeah
0: I don't know somebody took I think that he was probably jelly man and somebody I don't know who took him away yeah yeah, Yeah. that's all I can really say to that so whether or not Peter was killed or if they let him go and he decided to stay in the trade so to speak with the others um which would explain the Burke sighting that makes that extra piece of the puzzle sort of fall into place if you sort of run it that way And maybe Murdoch's DNA was on the combi because he was there and he moved it off the road Um, and maybe he did help her stage the kidnapping and that's why his DNA is on the cable ties, not knowing that she was actually going to point the finger at him at the end of the day. But, yeah, I I think that if we take everything into consideration, that's probably what we're dealing with in my opinion. Probably going to
1: have to agree. Yeah. I mean, I can't 100% agree, but I can say that that actually seems somewhat plausible Plausible when you're actually looking at everything so yeah
0: it's been solved yeah another one that we can tick off the list oh done do you know what this one will never be solved because that's crazy man the whole thing is crazy unless
1: the body shows up
0: yeah that's it or he shows up or he shows up I wonder if there's been any other sightings or if he's changed his – because he's not the – he's very, as you said, distinct looking. I don't know how he could change his appearance. Yeah, unless he's grown his hair really long maybe or something. Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty big ears and he's a
1: pretty big guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is the outback though and you can really just disappear out there. I'm no doubt that there's people out there living off the grid you know, away from their original live life, Living the dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Out in the middle of the desert. No, thank you. I think I'm going to go off with the people that go to Mexico. That would probably be nicer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I just.
1: I just mean off the grid and away from everyone.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that the only thing that we can agree on really is that Joanne is not telling the whole story. Uh, and yeah. what that means, I don't know. But, yeah, I think we've put forth a pretty compelling scenario and I think we'll just look at that (laughs) yeah and you know what I I would love anyone listening to this to go to our Facebook page and comment what do you think we want to hear yeah what do you think because you know let's start are you on on, are you on team J and (laughs) B do you concur do you
1: concur yeah or (laughs) have you seen Falconio. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Have you seen him on your travels?
0: Have you bought some part from him? Hey. Yeah. We don't know. Maybe we need to do like an undercover sting of our own up the center. And you and know Nick. Out. Well, yeah, Nick. What, happened Nick? In, what became of Nick? Yeah. Did they ever meet in Berlin? Well, apparently she, because she's like in her late 40s now. Um, she never married or, you know, she's still just living yeah. on her own and stuff so she never really looked to so recover from it all so she says well so maybe the tabloids she, say maybe she did end up with nothing she does And you money. know what if the scenario that we've put forward is true that is still traumatic for her Oh gosh yeah gosh yeah, yeah that's it you know um so yeah I I don't know I think I can throw my hands in the air but also say that if I had to put money on it that scenario would be it. I think I just got in with the wrong people, pissed off the wrong people, and that was it, basically. Yeah. Anyway, let us know what you think, and we will see everyone next time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye.
1: Bye.